0: All right, uh, this morning we are upon a n- not just a new year, but a new decade, as I understand it. Even though some people wonder if we're in the new decade in 2020 or 2021, we're entering the 20s, right? Um, Jonathan Edwards uh, said the following. He said, another year is dawning, dear Father, let it be, in working or in waiting another year with Thee. Another year of progress, another year of praise, another year of proving thy presence all the days. Another year of mercies, of faithfulness and grace, another year of gladness, the glory of thy face. Another year of leaning upon thy loving breast, another year of trusting, of quiet, happy rest. Another year of service, of witness for thy love, Another year of training for holier work above. Another year is dawning, dear Father, let it be. On earth or else in heaven, another year for thee. And that's Jonathan Edwards from um, volume one of his works. I want to ask you this morning this question and get your feedback as a congregation. Does God like new things? What do you think? What's that, Janet? Janet? Yeah, God says, behold I'm doing new things. Someone else. Does anyone say no? <laughs> it depends on what it is. Okay. Depends on what it is. and new you know, fads. Yeah, Sure. Yep. That's right. We don't want change just for change's sake. It's Some people do, and we understand that, but I think wisdom teaches us that there's a purpose behind the new things that God likes, right? The purpose that you're going to see is redemption, redemptive things. When he renews us back to the original purpose that he had for us in the first place, that's the new thing that he really likes. So let's go ahead and look at this. I'll... I'll uh, Let's start in the Old Testament. Uh, The Old Covenant. Janet, I think, already quoted this. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In Lamentations chapter 3, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We don't just celebrate a new month or a new week or new year. Every day God's mercies are new and fresh. In Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six, this sounds like a new covenant verse, but it's in the old covenant where God says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. God's intention all along was to take that old heart of stone away and give us a beautiful heart of his love. The Psalms repeatedly speak of singing a new song to God, and in Psalm 40, verse 2 and 3, it says, He drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord, a redemptive purpose for the new song." that he's putting within our mouth. And even if we didn't have the new covenant written down, if we were those Jews who before the time of Christ were still looking forward to the Messiah, we knew that God had something new in mind when he told Jeremiah in chapter 31, verse 31, he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel And with the house of Judah. And in this new covenant, if you read on in Jeremiah 31, he talks about writing his law upon their hearts and forgiving their transgressions. He says, I will remember them no more. This is the new covenant which we have uh, through Christ. So once again, I ask, does God like new things? He does. He likes new things. Let me share with you probably the keystone parable of Jesus, talking about new and old. It says that Jesus told them a parable. In Luke chapter 5, he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. In this parable that's been applied in many different ways, it's the new versus the old. But the, the ultimate interpretation that Jesus is speaking about, and you might have this, the Sunday school answer you know, would be, what's the new wine? What is the new wine? Do you know? The new wine, I'll answer it for you, unless there's any guesses. The new wine is Jesus. And we're not in a culture that throws wine in wineskins normally. You know, we take our wine in boxes, right? <laughs> Or maybe it's bottles. I don't know. We're not that adept at these things. But we don't put them in skins. But if you are in a culture like in Africa today, you put wine in a skin, and you put it in an old wine skin, and it bursts the thing because the fermentation process, the chemical change, uh, changes that container such that you have to have a new wine skin that's going to be elastic and is going to change with the fermentation process of that wine. And so everybody in Jesus Day got it. We don't always get it, but. If Jesus is the new wine in this parable, what is the wineskin? Us. Us. And we cannot be the old wineskins because the old wineskin cannot handle the totality of the new wine. And so what God decides to do in the life of a believer is he makes us brand new. He changes us by the working of His Holy Spirit. When Jesus comes in, when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, say, Lord, forgive my sin. I believe that you died for my sin, and I make you Lord of my life. When that happens, the sinner's prayer, as it were, the Holy Spirit comes into the life of the believer, and He starts messing around in, in our life. He starts touching different things, our desires and our wants and our our words and our behaviors and different things. And a lot of times as Christians, we become all hung up on the wineskin, the the outward thing, and we forget that it's 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 the new wine that's that's the focus. It's it's Jesus is the new wine that redeems us and, and gives us a whole new start. So in this parable Jesus is the new wine and we are the new wineskins. In order to receive that new wine God renews us. He makes us new. And so the Bible, the the big story of the Bible is that we are recipients of what's called the new covenant. And in this new covenant, we have a new master, the Lord Jesus. And it's him that's making us new. Uh, Paul says this, he says, "Therefore Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is one of the verses that a lot of Christians don't really believe. If God's word says it, if God's word says that you're a new creation, then guess what? You are a new creation. But what happens is we look at things by sight rather than faith. But the Bible says to look at things by faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. When you believe God's word, you're going to say, I'm a new creation. My brother and sister in the Lord is a new creation. And by the way, ladies, I hope that you like this slide, because I like my slides like this. Very mathematical, very precise, like a, you know, very business-like, and I gave you some curly letters, okay? I figured I'd note that. Through Christ, you are given a new start, a new chance, new life, new hope, a new birth, and new minds. It says in the Bible that we have the mind of Christ. In the future, you will be given a new body fitted for the new heavens and the new earth. The apocalypse of John tells us that the elders are singing a new song. And it tells us that new Jerusalem is coming down to the earth. Does God like new things? Absolutely, without a doubt. In Romans 7, verse 6, it says that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So we have a new way. We have a new commandment. Jesus gave this in John 13. In fact, if you didn't know this, it says a new commandment. In Latin, it's, it's mandi for the word mandate. And on the Thursday before Good Friday, historically, the Christian church has called that Maundy Thursday. Not Monday, as in Monday night football, but Maundy, like mandate, because we believe it was on Thursday that Jesus gave the new mandate, the new commandment, okay? There's a lot of new things about believers, right? Um, And one of the things is the new commandment that God gave us that, I, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so we have a new commandment. Let me apply this today um, for you. How do we grasp all the newness that we have as believers in the new year? We are going to look at Ephesians 4. Paul says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Um, The new life is all about the mind. It's all about thinking different. Like, for instance, if you grasp the fact that I'm a new creation, um, you begin to realize that, yeah, I might struggle with things, and I might have hang-ups and habits and things that are difficult in my life, but if I realize I'm brand new, God sees me as new, and he's renewing me, that I might not be where I want to be in the future, but I'm not where I was. God sees me as righteous. God sees me as holy. In fact, he says that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. So when you realize I'm right with myself, I'm right with God, I'm right with other people, Now, every little thing that you do and say might not be right, but it starts in the mind where you realize God says you're right. And if you realize that you're okay with Him, that you're on good terms with Him, you're a new creation, that's the beginning of freedom. And for freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. This is the freedom, the liberty that God wants you to operate in. It's a a freedom of the mind. Jesus said, John chapter 8, He says, If you're my disciples... You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is apprehended in the mind. And so Paul talks about the futility of minds that aren't submitted to Christ. And I'll go on. Let's read this in a, a couple of verses here. Uh, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. This is life before Christ. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you've heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. I want you to take this idea. We're going to hang it up in the cloud right now, okay? Put off your old self. It's like a shirt that, or a coat. You take off. It's, it's old. It's nasty. We're going to take off the old self. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. So you've taken off the old and you put on the new. And it's all because you're renewed in your mind, renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, elsewhere in the Bible, when it talks about putting off and putting on, in Romans chapter 13, the last uh, verse, Romans 13, 14, let me read it to you. Paul says elsewhere, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You might be thinking, how do we put off the old self? How do we put on the new self? Well, you know how to put on your clothes in the morning, Right? All of you were successful, which is good. We haven't always had, I'm just kidding, everybody, always, you know, they say, what do we wear to church? And I say, clothes, that's right. Um, it wasn't funny this time, though, was it? Um, you know how to get dressed every day, and so Paul says, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, In Ephesians chapter 6, he puts it this way. He talks about putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, this is Ephesians 6, I'm in verse 14, (laughs) excuse me, having fastened on the belt of truth. See, he likens it to clothes, the belt of truth. Where does truth go? It's in the most important spot. It, It keeps all your garments together. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So these flaming darts come in and you need to know, I've said this before, that you have to say, I can take up the shield of faith which with, with which, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied, with which I can extinguish all the all the flaming darts of the evil one. See, God's promises and his blessings come to us in the form of cans, not cans. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can withstand all the fiery darts of the evil one. And he goes on, he says, uh, Take the helm of the salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. So we're told to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans, we're told to put on the armor of God in Ephesians 6. And here in Ephesians 4, 24, we're told to put on the new self. Take off the old self, put on the new self. That means if God tells you that you can do it, you can. And a lot of times people as as believers, we're like, but I don't get it, Pastor. Like, I don't know what to do. I mean, and I know this through the argument of silence a lot of times where people, like, aren't saying a lot but are struggling. I know it sometimes when people are just forthright with me and they say, but don't I have to do more than pray or, you know, this, that, or the other? And it's like, think about it in your physical health. You know, some people want to make the new year be a healthy year for physical health or for financial goals or a relationship or whatever it is and so people set goals right like if if it's health then you're probably going to eat right which probably includes drinking water eating some vegetables and fruit in there and laying off the Doritos right or other things and so, in your spiritual life, it's the same thing, where Jesus says, man doesn't live, and he's quoting Deuteronomy, so the Father says it, and then Jesus repeats it. Man and woman doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And so, how do we get the word? How do we eat the word spiritually? We go to the Bible, whether we're listening to it with our ears, watching it on TV, and, and you know, maybe listening and watching, or reading it, reading it, old school, Gutenberg, the book, or on your iPhone or your tablet or all these newfangled, highfalutin devices, right? But you get the word in your life. And this is a good, you know, like, pep rally, as it were, when you come to church, but there's no substitute for allowing that, digesting it, allowing it to be part of your life. And prayers, when we talk to God, and that's very important, too, because God wants to hear from us, but prayer and the Word. There's no substitute for prayer and the Word. Acts 6, verse 4. The apostles say we're going to dedicate ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word because they knew that where is the power at? Where is the Spirit anointing? Where is Jesus moving and providing healing and power and restoration? And where do new things happen? It's in the place of prayer and the Word. And so the church has advanced for 2,000 years against principalities and powers, against despair and destruction, against bitterness, against brokenness. The church has prevailed by power that's found in prayer and the word. And so how do we put on Christ? We go to the word and we say, God, help me. And it's, it's just, you know, do that and repeat. You know, that's how we receive our cleansing. That's how power operates in our life. And it's very simple. Just like it's very simple that if you begin walking and get a good pair of shoes and walk and walk and walk and walk, you're probably going to lose some weight so long as it's accompanied by proper diet and other things. And if, if you're, you know, there's some other health factors. If somebody has other things going on, you know, you want to go to your doctor and all that. But It's not as difficult as we think. God makes it very simple for us. Does that make sense? So it's my prayer in the new year that you put on the new self. Let me close with the words, they're they're poetic words by Lord Alfred Tennyson. He says this, Ring out wild bells of the wild sky, the flying cloud, the frosty night. The year is dying in the night. Ring out wild bells and let him die. Ring out the old, ring in the new. Ring happy bells across the snow. The year is going, let him go. Ring out the false, ring in the true. Ring out the grief that saps the mind. For those that here we see no more. Ring out the feud of rich and poor. Ring in redress to all mankind. Ring out the want, the care, the sin. The faithless coldness of the times. Ring out, ring out my mournful rhymes, but ring the fuller minstrel in. Ring out false pride in place and blood, the civic slander and the spite. Ring in the love of truth and right. Ring in the common love of good. Ring out old shapes of foul disease. Ring out the narrowing lust of gold. Ring out the thousand wars of old. Ring in the thousand years of peace. Ring in the valiant man and free, the larger heart, the kinder hand. Ring out the darkness of the land. Ring in the Christ that is to be.